Hello and welcome to the Shock Your Potential podcast. I am your host, Michael Sherlock. Each one of us holds great potential, and tapping into that potential is my passion and my mission. Shock Your Potential is a global leadership training company dedicated to creating positive, productive, and profitable workplaces. We develop, nurture, train, and guide leaders at all levels and at all points in their career. Through this podcast, I get to interview amazing leaders who are shocking their own potential and the potential of those around them. Learn more about us today at shockyourpotential.com and shockyourpotentialpodcast.com. And don't forget to check out my two best-selling books, Tell Me More, How to Ask the Right Questions and Get the Most Out of Your Employees, and Sales Mixology, Why the Most Potent Sales and Customer Experiences Follow a Recipe for Success. Join us now as we meet another great guest. And don't forget, subscribe, rate, and like us today. Thank you for joining me again on another episode of Shock Your Potential. Today, my guest is Mary Lynn Graham, and she is with MLG Strategic Intervention Coaching. She's a business coach with a very unique specialty. That I want to talk about. She also happens to be a friend of mine that I have known for quite a while. Very proud to have her on as a guest today so that we can uh, pick her brain on various issues. So first, uh, Mary Lynn, thank you for joining us today. Well, I'm glad to be joining you. Thank you. It's wonderful, and it's also fun. Our listeners can't see that we can see each other, but since I've started taping this way and I can look at my guests, it's a lot more fun to have facial expression and laugh at each other, which I have a feeling we'll do. <laughs> Marilyn, you have made a um, kind of a transition in your life and career, which has taken you down this path to decide to help uh, businesses with strategic coaching and planning. And I know that one of your specialties is dealing with people who are either contemplating or in the process of selling their business and meaning the business that they built. You have some great uh, history and experience in this yourself. So tell me a little bit about why you decided to go down this road and you know what makes it a passion project for you. And here's the last one. How do you think you're going to continue to shock your customers as you or your clients as you move forward? In my previous life, I got to the point that I was contemplating selling my practice. I realized that it was daunting and overwhelming and emotional. And that was my first real contact with a, a coach. I hired one. I I had so many questions. I was asking myself, is this the right time? What is the value of my business? Uh, Who do I talk to first? The accountant? Do Do I talk to a lawyer? Do I need a broker? Am I being fair to my employees? And the biggest question was, if I sell, what in the heck am I going to do next? So, uh, My coach became invaluable to me during that time because I really couldn't talk to my peers or my employees, and uh, she helped me through the decision process. And then on the other end of it, after the sale had occurred, I found myself smack dab 
in the middle of a grieving process, which I now know is well-documented, but uh, when I was going through it, I just knew it was tough. So I, again, reached out to my coach who became a lifeline to me. A step to the now, uh, when going through a transition of this magnitude, I find that clients feel alone, they feel confused, and they feel bombarded by lots of questions. And I shock my clients <laughs> by providing stability that they didn't know that they could have in the process of going through something such as this. And interestingly enough, my clients have the answers. I'm just asking the right questions. And they find that it's a great relief to be able to talk to an objective person, actually particularly about the emotional stuff. And then the sting of grief is is lessened by knowing that it's a normal process. And also that sting is helped by having a plan which we develop together for what is next. It's really interesting to me. I remember the first time that I heard of a life coach or business coach, and it was back in the 90s. And I remember this uh, gal that I knew through some other you know, business professional association said, oh, I'm, I'm now a life coach and business coach. And and I remember thinking, okay, well, that sounds great. You know, who's going to pay for that? And, and <laughs> where in my life and my career, it, it didn't really make sense. It sounded great, you know, but it didn't really make sense. Now flash forward to where we are today. And I think people's awareness of, of how to use resources to help them transition, move their businesses forward, move their careers forward, move their private lives forward, whatever it is. I think it's a lot more um, of something that we discuss very rationally. And yet, the, the decision to take the step to actually work with someone and have them help you through the process, I think tells a lot about a person that they say, I know I need to step back. I need somebody by my side, but mostly I need somebody to ask me the questions that I know are probably in there and that I, I know, but I have to get them out. And do you find that to be the case? It's like you said, they, they mostly know the answers themselves, but you have to ask them in the right perspective. Do you find that when you get to that point with people, they're saying, okay, I'm so glad you asked that. It was hiding back there in the, the back of my mind, and that's one of the reasons I haven't been sleeping lately. <laughs> Absolutely. I think, uh, I guess one of the things that I find is the people who utilize a coach most of the time are really bright, inspired people, and they do have the answers, but there's just, you've hit kind of a a bump in the road. It's It's a place where, for whatever reason, you're stuck, and just to have that objective person ask you the questions, you're smart enough to know the answers. You're just you're just stumbling over this big bump, and it's that uh, objective person asking the question, and you go, "Geez, I knew that all the time." And that's what happened to me. I had the answers. I, I I just was so overwhelmed, and it's something that I'd never been through before. I've, you know, since we've talked so often about how you sold your business and the emotions that you went through, it has brought me to uh, a lot of 
correlations with people that I interact with every day. And, and that's a lot of people who are on that flip side, that they work for someone who's sold their business, the business is transitioning, maybe even the business is closing or the business is merging. And there's all these emotions. And I think sometimes we think these are just business transactions. It's just business. But the heart of everything, it's personal. It's personal to you if you're selling. It's personal to the people who work for you. It's personal to their families, to your family. So there's so much emotion tied up in this that that's got to be a lot of murky ground to try and traverse while you're trying to make good, solid, smart business decisions. Well, absolutely. And if you've been any kind of a, a caring um, employer, uh, one of my biggest worries was my employees. I, I, I felt that in some ways, you know, I was breaking their trust because when they hired in with me to work for me, they didn't know that, well, I guess at the time I didn't know either that this was, you know, going to happen. But that was one of my biggest worries is, is worrying about them. And I think if, if you are at all human and if you have any care or concern for your employees, it's got to be something that's big in your mind and your heart when you're going through that. And on the flip side, I think to to make sure that people who are going through that kind of situation recognize that the business owner is struggling too, although you don't have the luxury of letting it show because you got to slap a smile on your face every day. (laughs) Well, and that's exactly where the value of a coach comes in because, you know, in in my situation, I was able to – you know, vocalize or verbalize all of that emotion to someone else so that I could try to remain strong and be supportive of, because they were going through a grieving process too. It was, it's hard for everybody. Mm-hmm. I always remember, you know, because you know that I've been uh, on that other side, I've been part of the, the business entity that's buying businesses and transitioning those businesses in and, so oftentimes I was seen as, you know, the big bad wolf, you know, I've come in to, you know, to blow their house down. <laughs> and it was, it was always a struggle for me also to recognize that, yes, we've got people here, but we have a business uh, investment we've just made and we have to make sure that we recoup it and you want to keep people involved, you want to keep them invested. And it was always distressing to me when people that uh, worked for the original owner that I was trying to nurture and, you know, put my arms around, but help them transition as quickly as it could into a new world when they would leave. And as they would leave and I would think, gosh, we are so close to a new normal. We're so close. Why, why are you leaving? Please don't leave. But it's such a, it's, it's so tumultuous that, you know, people in the midst of it, I think have a really difficult time separating it out to say it can get better again. It may not be what it was when Mary Lynn owned, you know, our company, for instance, but that doesn't mean it's all going to be bad. And, you know, businesses that are being in transition in retail all over this country, all over this world, but especially in the U.S., I see a lot of that, that stress of, oh my gosh, we're, you know, we're being bought up by somebody else and this means it's going to be horrible. I think that people work themselves into a tizzy sometimes when, if they could just ride out the storm as an employee, sometimes you can find something that's really calming. Well, and at the other end of it, um, what I, what I didn't say to you is after all of this process, I literally wrote a thank you note to the buyer of my practice because 
my baby that I had raised from infancy was going to continue to thrive even in my absence. And that business still continues to thrive in many of the key players are still there and they've made it through to the other side and they are living successful professional lives. But all of us, you know, went through a rocky time, you know, during the process of the sale. Absolutely. So now you've got this new adventure and you are working with businesses and and cultivating relationships with people who are, like I said in the beginning, either uh, contemplating selling their business or they're in the process of it. So you're building a business while helping them transition through their business transitions. What's been the most challenging aspect of building your business and how have you overcome it or are trying to overcome it along the way? My biggest challenge is that you kind of mentioned it already is that people really don't know what a coach is. I think there's, there's a blossoming understanding, but many people don't. And, and in some cases they have some misconceptions of what a coach is. And in my opinion, the perfect person to be coach is someone who is driven and motivated and successful, but is in a place where they're stuck. Or maybe it's the person that's the diamond in the rough. (laughs) That's the person that really benefits most from coaching. So you and I know each other and you know that I'm learning to navigate the digital world. (laughs) And I'm starting to uh, get some information out there. And I'm working on, uh, on an educational series on the the steps to selling a business. I've also, I'm setting up speaking engagements. I will talk to anybody that will listen, (laughs) Uh, just kind of get the word out there and and really to provide an understanding of what, what value there is in coaching. Absolutely. And I think you're right. It's about raising awareness, getting people to see it in a new light but also to understand the value and there can be a substantial value. It might not be the same as you would equate with other services. And yet if it makes a, a better, more successful transition for the business owner, as well as the staff, boy, that's, you can't put a price tag on that. No, no. And it's interesting because uh, there are some studies that talk about how the emotional well-being of a business owner affects the the financial success of a business. So both from the owner standpoint, but also from the buyer standpoint, there's some real value in making sure that the people who are going through that process are taken care of. And, and if you are the seller, to make sure that you are taken care of. Absolutely. That's a really good point because what you're selling in a lot of cases is, uh, you know, is a, a client list. So, you know, it, there's various kind of practice, chiropractic practices, you know, hair salons, audiology and hearing aid clinics, uh, you know, uh, the, the list goes on about different businesses that have been, I think about orthopedics, uh, not like orthopedics shoes, those kind of stores that are, you know, being purchased by sometimes by chains, sometimes by other owners that you're, Yes, you're buying some product, but mostly you're buying 
the goodwill between that business and the community. You're buying the client list. You're buying the strength and the history of that staff and, you know, their role in that, in that business and that community. And if that gets damaged along the way, that can change that end number pretty dramatically very quickly. Yes, it can. Yes, it can. So we're going to take a quick break to hear from our sponsor. And when we come back, we'll learn a little bit more about Mary Lynn Graham and her strategic intervention, counseling, and coaching. Are you a fan of luxury handbags? Do you have one or more in your closet that need a new home? Then meet Rebag, the online luxury handbag authority that rethinks the role of luxury in the secondary market. Buy, sell, repeat. Rebag puts the seller first and caters to a growing segment of consumers who are looking at the ownership of luxury goods in a more sustainable way. How does it work? Simply submit pictures on the Rebag mobile app and receive a free quote in less than one business day. Or, if you're in New York City, drop by one of their stores and head straight to the Rebag bar. You'll get a quote on the spot. Use your prepaid label to ship your bag from anywhere in the U.S. Once Rebag receives the item, payment is issued instantly, which is an industry first, and customers receive their funds within one to two business days. To learn more, visit Rebag.com backslash sell backslash shock your potential, or find our link on our website at shockyourpotentialpodcast.com. All right, we are back again, Marilyn. Thank you so much. We have been uh, sharing some good pieces. I think it's interesting. A lot of my listeners are in management positions in, in various industries. I have a lot of following in retail, and I, I thought this would be kind of interesting for them to, to hear because they might say, well, wait, that's a little bit different. It's not really in my vein of what I do every day. And yet I think it really speaks to the heart of being aware of the emotional toll that all kinds of business change can have on a staff. So we're talking specifically about businesses that you work with that um, are going through maybe a sale process, but really transition of any kind affects the team. And especially for a leader in a position to be torn, maybe even between corporate expectations and rollout and the, uh, the mental health of their team. You know, I, I work with a lot of retail people, a lot of retail managers. And so they're, they're always trying to to juggle some big things. Corporate usually has, here's our sales process, here's our new products, here's our rollout, follow it exactly. Then when they walk into their stores, they're having to deal with, okay, now I've got staff, staff that doesn't show up. I've got, you know, holidays coming up. I've got emotional issues. I've got people that I deal with. And then on this other side, I have these expectations from corporate. And it's not just retail. It's in any job where you have expectations from a company that you have to deliver with people that don't always like change because most people will say they don't like change. But when you think about helping people through these kind of processes, you know, what are some things that, you know, you think are valuable to help a leader navigate through that, be able to, to provide on the, or to deliver on the corporate expectations, but also be able to take care of your people along the way because they don't have to be mutually exclusive. But I think some, especially um, less experienced managers feel like they either have to go hardcore corporate or hardcore, you know, uh, I'm going to be all on my employee side, and yet there's there's a way to navigate that. The the first thing that came to mind was uh, in navigating that myself. My uh, coach asked me, so 
how do you how do you want to handle this? What you know? How do you see yourself handling this moving forward? And the conclusion that we came to together was that I needed to learn to be a servant leader. And and what that meant to me was, obviously, I had a loyalty to the company that was purchasing my business. And that was my first loyalty. But I needed to serve my employees. I needed to care about their concerns. And so I allowed them to come to me at any time behind closed doors and ask the questions that were pressing. I entertained all of them. And I think that earned trust for me, but also trust for the bigger corporate entity as well. It was hard because especially all of those questions came kind of came in a tirade in the beginning, but continue to haunt periodically. But I think that you have to listen and entertain those questions because, because they're afraid. They're afraid that, you know, their, their world is falling apart. And you, I think, need to be that kind of servant leader more than ever in that kind of situation. I agree because in, in all kinds of environments where there's new information coming down from the big bad corporate, um, there's the opportunity, I think, for people to use that to gossip, to, um, to kind of come together, not to go to their leader and, and find answers because sometimes they don't know, they don't really want to know. They, you know, because they don't want to be told they're wrong or don't worry about it. And yet, if you don't have those dialogues, imaginations could create all kinds of big bad specters out there that, that good open communication can dispel pretty quickly. Yeah. Yeah. No, I, I felt that it was very valuable for them. And for the very reasons that you mentioned, if they're not talking to you, <laughs> talking to each other. Yeah. The other thing that I tried to disperse early on was the we and the them discussion that, you know, we are a we now, not a we and a them. So that was a focus also. And that is perfect because I don't, I don't care what environment I've been speaking at, working with, training for, you've got to break down that wall. It is always a we, no matter what the company is. It can't be a we versus them. Otherwise, you don't operate as one business unit, one organization, one mission, whatever it is. And that's a hard thing for people to overcome. But if you do and you can and you, you know, you call it out and say, wait, what did you say? Who's them? I don't know who them is. <laughs> I've never heard of them. <laughs> you can have fun with it, but you can also just solidify the fact that if we don't make it a we, we're never going to have any chance at success in this. Right. Exactly. So uh, as we get uh, closer to the end here, I'd like to ask everybody a couple different questions. And because I always focus on excellence and leadership, sales, and customer experiences, I'd love to ask my guests to share some great experiences that you've been the recipient of um, that help impact you. So whether it's a, an example of leadership or sales or a customer experience, do you have an experience that you have been recipient of that has influenced how you think and act and operate in your own business today? 
Well, I'm going to answer that in a strange way. I'm going to reference my mother. Oh, I like it. <laughs> my mother was a bi- biology professor and then dean at a college in Virginia. She passed away suddenly several years ago. And at her memorial service, her administrative, I can never say that word, administrative assistant said something about her that has stuck with me ever since. What she said about my mother was, I never worked for Mary. I worked with Mary. Mm. And I took that stance in my audiology practice. And now in my new business, I view it as we are a partnership with a single purpose. I am working with you. You are working with me. Very good. I like that. And it really keeps that sense of of teamwork that we need to do this together in order for (laughs) us to be successful. Yes, exactly. Excellent. All right. So here's the next tough question. So I like to have uh, people reflect a little bit, look backwards. So if you could go back at any point in time and talk to the younger Mary Lynn at any point in your, in her history, when would you go back to tell her something and what would you tell her that it would have shocked her potential farther, faster, or kept her on the exact same path? I would have told the younger Mary Lynn early in her audiology practice to trust her instincts uh, planning has never been an issue for me. I'm an over planner. <laughs> I've never been accused ever of flying by the seat of my pants. So my advice to the younger Mary Lynn would be to act more quickly and that done is better than perfect and not done. Oh. And I would spend less time worrying and more time doing. I like that. Wow, that's quite a reflection. <laughs> yeah, I'm the planner. You want to know how to plan? I can do it. <laughs> Stick with me. We can fly by the seat of my pants anytime. It'll go quickly. <laughs> I like to plan on the run. <laughs> I'm getting much better at planning. <laughs> oh, I got it. Well, Mary Lynn, I'm so glad we've had this chance to share a little bit about what you're doing. I know I'll have all your uh, contact information on our show notes, but just uh, for anybody who's listening and wants to look you up right away while they're driving or talk to their Siri, how can they find you? Well, they can find me on my website at mlglifecoach.com. I also have a LinkedIn account, MLG Strategic Intervention Coaching. I just need to learn how to say that without stopping. (laughs) And I have a Facebook that's in, like I said, I'm learning. It's developing. It should be out there soon. So Very good. Excellent. Hey, look, you know, we've discussed this. I, when I put out my first tweet a year and a half ago and my son said, mom, nobody does Twitter anymore. I'm like, well, then I'm a little late to the game. <laughs> I'm learning that as I go along. Now at least I know who to tweet and when to tweet. <laughs> Might not be good at it yet, but I'm getting yeah. there. I guess it would be easy to say I'm not an early adopter, but I'm getting <laughs> What was that advice to the younger Mary Lynn? <laughs> be an early adopter. 
Exactly. Good girl. Well, thank you so much. Uh, Before we wrap up, any last words of wisdom or pearls of advice you'd like to share with my listeners? I would say that anybody who's had any degree of success knows that that success comes with victories and defeats, um, joyous moments and moments of despair. But I would also say that no major accomplishment is achieved without the support of someone cheering from the the sidelines or in the background. Oprah Winfrey credits much of her success to her coach, and she suggests using a life coach to succeed. And I'm just going to list a number of people who have utilized coaching in creating their success. Leonardo DiCaprio, Mm. Bill Serena Williams, Andre uh, Agassi, Hugh Jackman, my favorite, Metallica. <laughs> <laughs> no, that's, that's a good end. <laughs> I love it. And I think I, I think I spoke over when you said Bill Clinton. So, uh, and clearly I, it is, it's true when you surround yourself with someone else who can listen with, um, Listen appropriately. Listen for things that maybe you don't even hear. They can discuss things openly and honestly without, you know, our feelings getting hurt in the process. <laughs> so a good life coach is not your life partner. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> I've got a great life partner, but he's not going to be my life coach. Oh, my goodness. <laughs> We've already discussed that. But you're right. I think having somebody that has that separateness, but that can really listen and be your advocate and help you see things that you wouldn't see or things maybe you didn't want to see. Mm-hmm. That's how you to grow. So excellent. Thank you so much. You are welcome. It's a pleasure having you with us today. We'll have all your information on our show notes and look forward to uh, seeing many more successful ventures with Mary Lynn Graham and her strategic intervention coaching. Thank you for joining us today. You're welcome. Thank you for joining us on another episode of Shock Your Potential. Please remember to subscribe, rate, and like our podcast. And for more information, find us at shockyourpotential.com and shockyourpotentialpodcast.com.